Please be seated. Okay, so true confession, I am an Ash Wednesday Christian. We've all heard of Christmas and Easter Christians, the kind that show up only for those two major feasts. Well, for a long time, I was an Ash Wednesday Christian. There was a considerable period in my youth and young adulthood when I was not a regular churchgoer, but I did make a point of attending one service every year. It wasn't Christmas and it wasn't Easter. It was Ash Wednesday. And I suspect there are a lot of people out there who are like that. There is something so completely unvarnished and elemental about the imposition of the ashes. Despite all the issues I had with Christianity when I was younger, and I had ample reason to have them, having grown up with literalist Southern Baptist grandparents in the Deep South, the Ash Wednesday service always resonated for me, partly because it spoke to the profound interconnected nature of all of reality, the inescapable web of mutuality in which we live and move and have our being, partly because it was a way to process regrets for things done or left undone over the course of the year, and partly because of an inchoate sense that Ash Wednesday is a thin time, a time when that which we cannot fully know meets that which we can. As the burial office in the prayer book says, in the midst of life, we are in death. And so for me, Ash Wednesday is a visceral reminder of the impermanence of this earthly life and the profound richness of opportunity we are offered as a consequence. I've had some interesting conversations with an old friend recently. He's found in his late 50s that he's achieved pretty much everything he wanted in a conventional way, financially stable, fulfilling work, a good marriage, and some children. And yet for him, there's something that's still missing. A longtime conservative voter, the ongoing unstable political climate has only increased his sense of malaise. So a few years ago, his family started attending a church near their home but he found that the message there was not speaking to the part of him that was unfulfilled. What's going on? He asked me. So I had him send me the church's website and I did some research. It was a church with a very heavy theological emphasis on the afterlife, not so much the here and now. They encourage good works, but mostly as a way to attain final rewards. There was very little talk of the slowly winding 
twisting, turning, paradoxical, but infinitely gracious gifts of a spiritually oriented life. As I was reading about that church, I found myself longing for Lent, for this season of inner reflection and penitence. How grounding it is to enter this time to purposefully choose to bind or to loosen ourselves, whichever makes sense for us in a given year, in order to see what we can glean from that experience. So often, when we think of Lent, we focus on sin, or more pointedly, on the futile attempt at the elimination of sin. But when we do that, I think we too often begin unconsciously projecting, picking and choosing and twisting ourselves into pretzels to comfort ourselves by gauging where we excel and others fall short. At heart, because we are social beings and tribal beings, it's only natural that we compare and contrast. I don't think we can help ourselves. But what if we took this season the time to explore a different path? What if we chose instead to focus on the imitation of Christ? And please note, before you roll your eyes at me, when I say that, I do not mean setting up the ultimate bar of perfectionism that is too often what we think of when we hear that phrase. What I mean by imitating Christ is choosing to open our hearts and show God our whole selves. Isn't that what Jesus does in Gethsemane in three out of four of our gospel accounts? What if we intentionally offer ourselves to God by dropping the masks that we so habitually wear to keep ourselves protected? What if we stepped into a place where our deepest shame is hidden and allowed God to hold us, to breathe on us, to claim those parts of us too as beloved of God? What if we stood before God and offered up our entire selves to be witnessed and seen, allowed God to love every aspect of our being? Let ourselves feel the balm in Gilead healing our souls, trusting that when we do so, we will be safe. Safe, a loaded word for sure. During this fraught time, I have noticed in many of the current political debates the thematic thread of the urgent need for safety, the kind of safety that claims we are each only responsible for me and mine, a safety born of exclusion and of othering, 
a safety born of pretending that what we see is not actually happening. When I say the imitation of Christ, I'm talking about a very different kind of safety, a safety that is more nurturing than anything we humans can contrive. This day, Ash Wednesday, reminds us quite starkly that in human terms, we cannot and we never will be truly safe. There is no amount of money or protection or good health care or saying the right things in the right order that will guarantee that we can escape death. Jesus knew this. Jesus lived this. He knew that he would die and that we will all eventually die. Gethsemane was where he wrestled with the immediacy of that reality, where eventually turned into tomorrow. It sounds grim when we state it that plainly, but that knowledge of our certain death, our return to nothingness, our inherent dustiness is only the first part of the story because it is through embracing our dustiness, our inability to achieve complete safety, that we are able to find redemption and resurrection. It's when we surrender the illusion of holding on so tightly to that which can never save us that we can finally see clearly just as he did. That is the imitation of Christ that I am referencing. This dust, that of which we are made, is sacred. It is the same humble dust from which God chooses to create life. We hear this in Genesis as God forms the first human from dust of the ground. We hear it as a running thread in the book of Job as God responds eventually to the questions of this one creature made of dust by extolling the sacredness of all of creation, all made from that same dust. We hear it in John 1 as God chooses to make God's self become dust, the word made flesh and dwelling among us. And we hear it in the gospel's assertion of the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Our savior too was dust. It is with that dust that God fulfills the promise of eternal life, of life that is abundant, even in adversity, not safe, but abundant. Life that is creative, regenerating, and unexpected, just as God is creative, regenerating, and unexpected. God invites us to be brave enough to recognize that no matter how hard we hold onto our protective armor, it will not rescue us. And it is only when we lay it down that we can become more fully 
who we are meant to be. We cannot know when we will die or where we will go or what exactly will happen. What we do know is that God has promised us that what we experience here on earth is sacred and beloved of God. So beloved indeed that God chose to share that experience with us in order to affirm its sacredness. This experience, this experience, whatever it may be, is our treasure. Not material gains, not fame, not some elusive concept of safety, but instead our eternal connection with the living God, Jesus the Christ. Many years ago, theologian Karl Rahner wrote, when on Ash Wednesday we hear the words, remember that you are dust, we are being told that, when, that we are brothers and sisters of the incarnate Lord. In these words, we are told everything we are, nothingness that is filled with eternity, death that teems with life, Futility that redeems, dust that is God's life forever. Lent is a season of engaging the paradox, of embracing the uncertainty and finding that we can be at home in that place. This year, I invite you to welcome the stranger within yourself, the parts of us we try most to conceal. Lay them down before God. Allow God to love them. I invite you to join me in being an Ash Wednesday Christian and to remember that you too are dust, and to dust you shall return. Amen.